At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is the Detroit City Cast with Dan Leach. Presented by Bet Rivers. And welcome in, fine citizens. Fantastic Friday edition of the Detroit City Cast. Brought to you by our great friends at Bet Rivers. My man and legendary Detroit sports writer, radio host, and just one of my favorite people in life, Terry Foster, is going to join us in just a bit. Let's take a trip, though. To the Motown betting window, it's brought to you by Bet Rivers. Lots going on at Bet Rivers this weekend. Uh, of course, live golf betting, tons of baseball, NBA action. We'll get to in a minute, but let's start with the Detroit Tigers and a nice win for the Tigers last night. Casey Mize with a solid start. They'll get going again. The second of four against Kansas City from Coffin Stadium, eight ten later tonight. Right now, Bet Rivers the Tigers. Getting plus 112 on the money line. Royals minus 134. The run line for Kansas City, minus 1.5. And And for Detroit, plus 1.5, minus 182. The total in this game, 8.5, over minus 113. And under minus 106. And it will be Tarek Skubal. For the Tigers, 0-1, 0-1 in the season, and 9.0 ERA. Did not have a great first start, uh, did Scooble. And the Royals will throw out Brad Keller, who has pitched six innings, an ERA of zero, a .50 whip, does have five strikeouts and one walk. And that is why, even though the Royals are an inferior team uh, compared to the Tigers, they are the favorite in this one. It's a stay away for me. I mentioned that I... Kind of, you know, I, I leaned Tigers last night, but it's still so early in the year. I'm not going to really be betting the Tigers a lot till probably May, maybe, you know, the last week of April. 
when all the pitchers have gotten a couple starts and based on matchups and teams they're playing. I mean, the Royals are one of those teams the Tigers could beat up on, but I feel like with Scooble's rough start last time, Royals might get this one. The Tigers still might win three or four, or at least push this series, but for, for me, uh, it's a stay-away game on Friday. We've got a ton of NBA playoffs to get to. Uh, we talked about it yesterday, the Hawks and Cavs. I'm on Atlanta. That line actually is moving down. It was minus 2.5 Atlanta. It's now minus 2, minus 112 Cavs, plus 2, minus 110 at Bet Rivers. We are seeing some two-way action on this game. Uh, the Hawks minus 127 on the money line. Cavs plus 107. The total, 223 minus 110 under minus 110. Uh, I'll tell you this right now. The Hawks, to me, are definitely the play. And I kind of went over this with you yesterday. Momentum is a huge thing when you have these one-game type playoff situations. This isn't a series like it is, you know, when we get into the regular playoffs. But momentum is huge when you're playing one and done. You know, of course, for a couple of these, you know, four of these teams, if they lost, they were out in the 9-10 matchup. And obviously in the 7-8 matchup, if they lost, they still could uh, have a chance to get into the postseason. And that's where we're at with these two games coming up on Friday night. It's win or go home. And even though this game is on the road, and I love the you know the Cavs. I've been on them a lot this year. We've won a lot of money with the Cavs. I think Trey Young and the Hawks' momentum will be too much. I like Atlanta. It's a full unit play for me. Uh, I, I got it down to two. It's at two now. I don't mind that we're seeing some movement there. So that's where I'm at with the Hawks and the uh, Hornets on Friday night. And then the nightcap will be Pels and Clippers. We discussed this game as well yesterday. Love the Pelicans plus the four. Right now, Bet Rivers, they're minus 109. Clippers minus four, minus 112. Clip joint on the money line, minus 175. Pelicans plus 145. Total 216 uh, over minus 112, under minus 110. I think both totals, by the way, both totals went under on uh, Wednesday night. I think both totals are where they need to be, so I don't think they're really bettable in this situation. If there's one of the two totals I'm looking at, I think I would probably go over in the Hawks game, but I'm going to stay away from the totals. Not an official play for me, but I do love the Pelicans. The value of the momentum, with you know, beating the Spurs, the Clippers, going the other way when they kind of, I don't want to say they had it in hand, but they were playing some pretty good basketball against Minnesota until they weren't, and then D'Angelo Russell, Patrick Beverly took over. Carl Anthony Towns followed out, did have a great game. He won't have two bad ones in a row. Uh, you know, uh, coming up for Minnesota in the first round, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, but the Pelicans, I just like what they're going to be metrically against this Clippers team. And I'm actually going to throw them in a money line parlay with Atlanta as well. I'm going to lay the 127 and parlay the Pels money line plus 145. If you're wondering what that would pay, that gives you plus 339 uh, on the comeback. So I'm going to do that along with uh, singles on the Hawks minus two and the Pels plus four. And as I mentioned, you got four series that are starting uh, on Saturday, and then you got a couple more that start on Sunday. We'll start with the Jazz and the Mavs. Uh, that's a one o'clock game on Saturday. Mavericks, or excuse me, Jazz minus five at Bet Rivers minus 114. Uh, you know, we're going to see some weird lines like road favorites like this, and that's what's happening in this game. Uh, Mavs plus five minus 107, Jazz minus 200, and the Mavs plus 165 on the comeback, the total 210. Over minus 110, under minus 110. I have no uh, lean or selection on that game. I do have one on the Timberwolves-Grizzlies. T-Wolves getting 7, minus 107 at Bet Rivers. Grizzlies minus 7, minus 114. Moneyline Memphis, minus 286. T-Wolves plus 230. Total 235, over, under, both minus 110 at Bet Rivers. That's a 330 game, as I mentioned, on Saturday. Love the T-Wolves plus 7. They might lose this game, and the Grizzlies are a team that could go through the Western Conference and really upset some squads. 
and make a run to at least maybe the uh, Western Conference Finals. But in Game 1, I like the value of the T-Wolves plus 7 off the momentum builder in that win in the play-in game against the clip joint. Saturday at 6 p.m., Raptors-Philly. Philly's my pick to win the East along with the Suns in the West. I think the Suns win the NBA title. Uh, we've talked about that with the futures odds. They're all bettable right now at Bet Rivers. Sixers minus 4.5 right now. Bet Rivers minus 107. Raptors plus 4.5 minus 114. Sixers minus 177. Come back for the Raptors plus 145 and the total 216. Both over and under minus 110. I lean Philly in this one. I don't love the 4.5, so I might be a money line play for me if I'm going to parlay it with some other games. Uh, on the Saturday or Sunday slate, but I think Philly gets off with a good first uh, win in the series against Toronto. Then the nightcap on Saturday, Nuggets and Warriors should be a good one. Warriors minus six and a half, both sides uh, minus 110 at Bet Rivers. The money line Warriors minus 265, Nuggets plus 215, total 223 and a half, over minus 109, under uh, minus 112. Well, I think the Nuggets have a chance to beat Golden State. I don't like this game. I don't like the line. Six and a half is right where it should be. I think Golden State could win this one going away in game one. But I think both these teams could win both the, you know, the, the games they're playing at home and lose on the road. So I'm going to stay away from game one, use my zigzag theory. If the Warriors win number uh, game number one, I'll go with uh, Denver plus the points in game number two. Then we got the Nets and the Celtics on Sunday at 3.30. That should be a fun one. Celtics minus four and a half right now. Bet Rivers minus 107. Nets plus four and a half minus 114. The Celtics minus 177 on the money line. Nets plus 145. The total 224, both over and under, are minus 110. And listen, this is going to be, I think, a seven-game you know, a seven game series that goes the distance when you look at what both these teams have been able to do uh, you know, the Nets are obviously a, a lower seed, but they get into the playoffs and they've got Tarantula healthy. They've got Kyrie Irving able to play, uh, you know, at home uh, being unvaccinated. The Nets, you know, they can win the NBA title, but this is going to be a very back and forth series. I'm going to stay away from game number one and reassess for game number two. And then the Bulls and the Bucks get it going Sunday at 630. Right now you've got Milwaukee minus 10. The Bulls and uh, getting the comeback plus 10 are both minus 110. Uh, the Bucks minus 500 on the money line. Bulls plus 380. Total 228 and a half. Uh, both over under minus 110. If it was a month ago, I would love the Bulls plus 10. I'm staying away from this one. Uh, it's the you know it's just a, not the kind of value spread that I like. It seems like it's too good to be true with the Bulls getting 10, both their injuries and the recent form for them. I'm going to stay away from game one. Also reassess and possibly use a zigzag theory if the Bucks win big in game one. Take the Bulls plus the 10 or 12 or so in game number two. All right, that's a trip to the Motown betting window brought to you by our great friends at Bet Rivers. Coming up next, my man Terry Foster, the Detroit sporting legend, right here on the Fantastic Friday edition of the Detroit CityCast, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Bet Rivers Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, Bet Rivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to BetRivers.com today to sign up. Must be 21. Playable in Michigan only. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 270 7117. And here he is, the legend, the most beloved guest of the CityCast, my producer, Stephen Jung's favorite guest of the CityCast. Not to say that our other guests aren't great, but. Terry Foster, it doesn't get any better than you. It's always a pleasure and honor to talk with you. Big Steven, thank you, and also to you, Mr. Leach. Just trying to stay competitive, my friend. I know, yeah, uh, and that's the only thing you can do. Before we get into anything else, uh, and we're going to talk some Tigers, some uh, Pistons, and some Lions draft, but 
I wanted to mention this because Terry, not only are you, you know, professionally a, a hero and to me and many others, but personally you become a very good friend and someone that has always been super supportive of me and, and you mean a lot to me on a personal level too. And I know you got a lot going on with your family. I just wanted to t- talk about it for a minute. I know you tweeted something uh, last week that a lot of my friends and people that respect and love you, I mean, they weren't like flipping out like they were worried you were like in bad health or something, but you know, they, they were concerned and uh, you know, you kind of got out there and, and I knew that your mother-in-law who's been living with you and, and your wife, your beautiful wife and your kids um, is having some medical problems. And I just wanted to give you a chance to talk about that because I know how much people feel connected to you in, you know, what you do and, and your perspectives on sports and life, but also they feel a personal connection too, like I do. And I just wanted to give you a chance to talk about that. Yeah. We found out last week that the mother-in-law uh, has um, a pancreatic cancer and um, she was diagnosed in Charlotte. She was staying with my wife's sister. <clears throat> and so the last few days she's been staying with us and it's really been tough. So that's why I said there's been, you know, some tough family things. And right. and so um, she likes me. So I've been the <laughs> primary guy taking care of her. So I give her breakfast and her medicine. And um, so we talk and I try to get her in a good mood. But, um, you know, it's, it's really tough. And uh, I know stomach hurts a lot. Uh, last night we had an incident where it seemed like her legs just gave out. She walks very slow on a walker and we were trying to get her to the bathroom and it's just like she stopped. She was kind of moving, but not going anywhere. And so um, that was, um, you know, a bad scene right there. So I tried to help her up off the floor and we had to get paramedics to come in and help her off the floor. So that is our deal there. So we're just dealing with that. So. Yeah, it's, it's Terry, it's, you know, those situations are never easy, but they, it definitely gives perspective on a lot of things, doesn't it? I mean, obviously you went through a personal medical thing yourself. I've gone through getting sober and, and I, it's, those things are never easy. And I, I hope, you know, I'm, I'm sure you do, but there's all of us are behind you. I mean, people that, that don't know you personally at all, or people like me that really care about you, we're all here for you and your family, but it, it gives you a lot of perspective. Like we're going to talk about, you know, sports stuff here, which we love, but life is obviously, especially going through this pandemic it's it's a lot differently, I think, we look at things now than maybe we did a few years ago, right? Yeah, we, it is, because when you're younger, it, it's, it was all about being number one or staying above the curve and everything, and you were really competitive yep. with everybody. But now, um, I mean, I had a really good experience at opening day. I hung out with one of my friends, and uh, there was probably, I would say, 15, 20 people uh, said that they were con- – you know, concerned about me. They like me. They um, wish I was doing radio and they miss me and stuff. And, and it was really heartfelt. And uh, one guy uh, told me that um, when I was writing for the news, that he was a paper carrier and that um, he looked forward to every time my column came out and he would read it before he delivered the papers. And so, but I, I received a lot of testimonies like that on opening day didn't expect it and it really felt good to hear that so wait were you were you in opening day and didn't tell me you know i was sitting right behind home plate where were you i didn't actually make it to the game i was hanging out i was doing one of my hangout opening days well i could have gotten you into our special private party uh i was good (laughs) all right well i missed you there but listen city cast nate detroit city cast nation is behind you and 
and we all are behind you. And it's, I'm glad you listen. I tell you this all the time. I know you believe me, but that's the way people feel about you. And of course, it extends to your family as well. And, and, and speaking of, you know, perspective, I do want to talk is now the piston season is over. Cade Cunningham clearly seems like he was the right choice at number one. Pistons have another, you know, decent chance of getting a top three pick. They, along with two other teams, have a 14% chance, the best chance to get an overall number one. Just wanted to get your feeling on what you saw from the Pistons in 21-22. You covered the Pistons for such a long time, obviously going back to the going to work champs and obviously the bad boys where you were on the 30 for 30 being the real fancy guy that you are. What do you think in year one with Cade and, and the possible future for this team? Well, uh, Cade, I have to give him very high marks. He's exactly what the Pistons needed. He's exactly what a lot of teams would need. This is a guy who I believe uh, doesn't care about the points, and he doesn't want to be one of these guys like Westbrook or James Harden. He's got to get his thirty points or his twenty-eight points, no matter right. you know, no matter how wild the game is and how. Uh, you put your team at a disadvantage sometimes because people are just watching you. He's what I call a facilitator, and he's the guy that my job isn't to make myself look good. And and I'm going to quote a guy named Will Robinson who used to lecture Isaiah Thomas all the time when he was a point (laughs) guard of the Pistons. And Will used to say, Zeke, or he used to call him Champ because Will can never remember anybody's name. He said, Champ? Your job isn't to make you look good. It's to make John Sally look good. It's to make Bill Lambeard look good. And so now, Kay Cunningham, I think he's got that same mentality. His job isn't to make himself look good or feel good. It's to make Jeremy Grant and and, and, and Bay and, and and all these other guys, Diallo, look good. And, I, and he's got that mentality, and that's exactly what the Pistons need if they're going to be a championship-caliber team. They got the right guy, and uh, I think the shame of it is he's not going to win Rookie of the Year. If I had a vote, I would vote him number one. He definitely had the best second half. I mean, I know Mobley had probably the best overall season, Evan Mobley for the Cavaliers. Well, I, I, I would disagree it... with that. I, you know, Mobley had a better month. Kate Cunningham is getting screwed because he had a terrible November. Sure. The last hurt. time I checked, you have December. January, February, March, April. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of other months that, that factor in there. There is. Right. And so um, he he's getting, um, I think, marked down because of that. And the other thing, and I've never heard this before for Rookie of the Year, they're looking at the team's success. Yeah. Now, if you want to talk it has about – has nothing M- to do with that. Yeah, if you want to talk about MVP, I agree with it. Uh, and and But I've never heard Rookie of the Year – or uh, six man of the year, uh, or any of that, be linked to team success. Uh, but this is being linked this year, so I don't know. And he why. finished, you know, Terry. He finished with better overall numbers than Mobley. He did, but even you said Mobley had a better overall year. I think Mobley had a better overall year, and it's not Cade's fault because Cade didn't get going. I mean, he was pretty bad. Missed training camp. Obviously, it's not like I said, not his fault. Missed trading camp, missed what is like, uh, he made one of his first 18 triples, and it took him some time to get going. But it's no question whatsoever, T-Man, that he had not just the best second half of any rookie, but he had a good enough second half that basically I think he's almost on par with Mobley. It just hurts when you don't have a full season. That's all I'm saying. See, I, I think you say he has a better second half. He's had a better, better second two-thirds 
of sure. the season. I think he's been the best rookie for multiple months. I'll grant you, he was not the best rookie uh, his uh, his first month. But I think this is what it comes down to. I hear people, what's well, anti-Detroit? It's not anti-Detroit. What it is, it's Pistons are not on people's radar. Pistons are right. not on national TV. People don't watch them play. People have no idea what they're doing. They look at yeah. Kate Cunningham's stats and and then kind of brush it aside. But they don't actually see the man play. I think that's what's hurting him most. And I think, you know, um, a, a guy like Kevin Dur- Durant, I think, helped a little bit because he talked up Kay Cunningham because um, uh, he was asked a question. Uh, they struggled against the Pistons. And he said, basically, you know, they got people who are paid also. They got professionals on the Pistons. And he talked up Kay Cunningham. So I, I'm hoping the voters listen to Kevin Durant one of the uh, highest profile guys in the league, one of the most respected guys in the league, and one of the most talented guys in the league. Listen to what he says, and then vote. Amen. By the way, you make a great point. Cavs playoff team, Pistons, not even close. Right. Cavs on TV a lot more. By the way, Cade, a couple days ago, this is a quote from him. Uh, He was talking to Mark Spears. And he said, quote, I think I should be rookie of the year because of all the things I've been able to do for my team this year. I feel like I helped my team in a lot of different ways that may not have always turned out to be wins. If you watch my game and watch the way that I play, you can appreciate all the things that I do on the floor. And I just talked to Keith Langlo, the, the Pistons editor uh, for Pistons.com, and he had mentioned very similar stuff that you did. And he, I know just you know based on the odds, and we, odds are just that, Mobley is a huge favorite to win it. But you're, you're making a lot of, I, I'm not saying I disagree with you, I just think that the way that these awards are voted on, the ballots were due on Monday, and it's definitely a regular season award. You're 100% right that they're taking the team's success into account. If they did it, Cade, I think, would win easily. Maybe not easily, but he'd win. The fact that Mobley's team went to the playoffs, whether it's fair or not, and I'm with you on this too, MVP means most valuable player. The player that is the most valuable to their team. How many years, Terry, have we seen MVPs be the best player? The, team, the player that has the most points or the player that has the most overall metric stats. It should be the most valuable player for Rookie of the Year. It should be the best rookie. Nothing to do with the team. And I, and that's in that breath, Cade Cunningham is. I'm with you on that. No, he absolutely is. But I think even more than that, NBA experts don't watch the Pistons play. Sure. It's like, it's like they're playing in the CBA or or the G League or whatever. They, they, don't, <laughs> see, they don't know what the Pistons are doing. You know, once again, not on national TV, not relevant. So I think this is a non-award based on the team being irrelevant. Yeah, and I'll tell you this. I I looked and was reading some stuff, you know, about the Rookie of the Year. They're going to announce this. They haven't really set a a solid date, like sometime in June. And there's a few people that I respect, like you obviously are being one of them, that have votes and said that they voted they would vote Cade one now. So maybe 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 he finds a way to win it. That'd be great either way, but he definitely had a great rookie year. And now the big question, Terry, Pistons bottom three record wise, 14% chance along with the two other teams to get the overall number one. They're up there with uh well or down there, whatever way you look at it, with Houston and Orlando. If they get the one, if they get the two, the three, is there a player out there is it Jamari Smith? Is it you know Paolo Bonchero from Duke, who obviously had a good tournament? 
Is it uh, Chad Holmgren from Gonzaga who did have a good tournament? Well, I mean, I don't want to say he didn't have a good tournament. His team didn't have a good tournament as a, the overall one seed. Is there someone that you would want the Pistons to get for sure? Or are they going to be lucky if they get in the top three because they got a lot of options to pick from? I think they'll get the top three. I'm, I'm hoping Jabari Smith ends up with Me the too. Pistons. Uh, he's a scorer. He's a guy that Kay Cunningham can set up. You're looking for somebody that is going to work well with, with Cunningham. And I think Jabari Smith is the best guy. Now, um, I've, I've been reading a lot about the draft. One thing that I disagree with people who say that Chet Holmgren is a rim protector. No, he's not. Uh, not in the NBA, he's not. Yes, yeah, he's 7-1, and yes, he's blocked shots in the collegiate level. But I've also seen guys bully him around. Right. Uh, you have to be a, a, a rim protector. Not only must you be um, – tall but you must be strong because guys can bully him away turn him from a 7-1 player into like a 6-8 player and then he's not going to block shots uh that he's got skills but the fact that he's so thin scares me yes the nba is going to bulk him up and and maybe this is a guy that maybe three years down the road, turns out to be a superstar. But I think Jabari Smith is going to be a superstar also. So um, that's the guy I'm looking at uh, for the Pistons. Holmgren, if they end up with him, wouldn't be the end of the world because I think he's going to develop into something. He's a little too mechanical for me. He's not very athletic. And I don't think he's going to be a strong rim protector in the National uh, Basketball Association because he just doesn't have the strength to do that. Again, he's a real man he's going to be facing. Right, and, and listen, you, you make a great point about Holmgren. Listen, he's a seven-footer. He obviously can shoot the three. He played in a weak conference, but he's a very unique prospect that could go one way or the other. I think he's going to be a good player, but I'm 100% with you on Jamari Smith. And you look at what he would be able to do alongside a Cade Cunningham. You have that combo along with, and we'll see what happens with Jeremy Grant going forward, but having Isaiah Stewart, having Sidney Bay, even Livers and Onions, Isaiah Livers, who has become a pretty darn good three-point shooter in his first season in the NBA. Dwayne Casey loves him. This could be a, this is a really exciting possible next couple of years for the Pistons, Terry, after literally, we're talking, they haven't won a playoff game in 14 years. Last time was against Orlando right. in 08, and haven't won a playoff series since that year either. It's been This is the longest stretch we've had since the 70s. When the Pistons were garbage until they got good in the 80s with Trader Jack and Daly, of course, Isaiah and Joe and everyone else, and won the back-to-back titles. This has been a long time when the Pistons have not been very good. Yeah, this is the second worst stretch of Pistons basketball I've seen. I, unfortunately, was around for the 70s, and they were absolute garbage. I used to go to games with my aunt, and she used to get pissed off and like, they don't play defense. She said, <laughs> you know, they're like five, six feet away from some dudes, so... Back then, there was no bad boys. There was no going to work Pistons. It was just guys out there playing basketball, trying to outscore everybody, and, and it didn't work. And I think this time, uh, Stan Van Gundy, not the guy to be the coach and the general manager. They have to uh, overcome that. Um, they also have to overcome, I think, a little bit of the clownishness of Tom Gores. I don't know if he's a particularly good owner or not, but the front <laughs> office is – has been flawed, and I th- and and Troy Weaver's trying to get it back. He's um he says he's going to be aggressive again this year. Yep. Uh, he was aggressive a couple years ago. He did. He made moves I thought were virtually impossible. Now has not resulted in wins 
But what I see, I see a roster that's pretty talented. They just don't play well together. But that's something they have to figure out. And, and Kate Cunningham, I think, is going to stay here in Detroit, work out with these guys. He's going to build that chemistry. And uh, hopefully that will make the Pistons a much better uh, ball club next year. Yep, the dream weaver, as I call them. And you're right. I mean, you got to find the right combinations. And hopefully with this upcoming possible overall number one, two, or three draft pick, the Pistons can add to that and figure out who else they need to either move on from or bring in uh, to keep them moving forward. Uh, to another team that it's amazing to see the kind of dearth of success this team has had after how good they were for basically a decade under Jim Leland and then into the end of the auspice, uh, you know, end of the Leland stuff into that auspice era that didn't turn out very well. And then obviously Ron Gardner comes in a few years ago and gets them through the beginning of this rebuild. Now you got a guy that won a World Series in A.J. Hinch and the Tigers, you know, not this in- insane start to the season, a great opening day walk-off, which I got to see in person, and a nice win over the Red Sox a couple days ago with a good start by Matt Manning. But I wonder what your feeling is on the Tigers. And to me, Terry, I mean, you look at some of the guys, whether it's the Torkelsons, his finally had his first home run, a first torque bomb a couple days ago. You look at Casey Mize, Matt Manning, who I mentioned, uh, Scooble, you know, Riley Green, I know he's hurt, but the, the great talent he is. There are a lot of reasons, I think, to be excited about the Tigers. And this could be, I mean, they've added a couple wild cards in, in Major League Baseball, maybe the Tigers could be a wild card team this year, which probably would be ahead of schedule, I would think. It would be ahead of schedule. I don't think that's going to happen, but um, they're going to be better than what we've seen so far. One, uh, younger players are really hurt by the lack of spring training. There wasn't really a spring training yep. this year. I know guys came in early, but they weren't getting that Major League uh, guidance and coaching and stuff that is so needed. So, the slow start doesn't surprise me for the younger guys. And they're playing a tough schedule. I mean, they've played the White Sox. they played Boston, who both are going to be good uh, cl- clubs. So um, Tigers is a team that's going to catch fire later. And uh, I, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but they're going to be around 500. And yeah. I have to believe with the talent they have, uh, Riley Green will join the team at some point. Torkelson was going to get better. Uh he has a tendency to get off to really slow starts, but then he kind of, once he catches fire, that's it. It's like, okay, I know where I am now. Now I'm here to be one of the better players on this team. That's what's going to happen with this guy. But we have to be patient with them a little bit. But I think by June, um, we'll be tearing our shirts off because we'll, <laughs> it's going to be warm. And also we're going to be excited about the Detroit Tigers. Yeah, so it'll be warm, and we'll be able to just be fired up, too. By now, I forgot, I didn't even mention Javi Baez, who my nephew, uh, Terry, or in the O is, he's now 11. He was this huge Javi Baez fan with the Cubs. I mean, he likes the, he loves the Tigers, but he would, like, dress up as Javi Baez for Halloween. And now Javi Baez is here, hits that big shot on opening day, hits the two-run homer a couple days later. Um, you know, there is a lot to be excited about with this team. And, and I, you know, just from your perspective, because – you covered all of the pro teams, and obviously college as well, for such a long time at such a high level. Tigers fans, they were, I mean, obviously every fan base here is a different breed, Terry. Lions fans, delusional. Red Wings fans, obviously hockey town, all that stuff. Pistons fans, you know, there's some very hardy, dire Pistons fans, no matter how good or bad they are. The Tigers are the oldest team in town. Going through all the, the, the years that you've covered them 
and I've talked with different Tigers fans and have seen the 68 group and this the 84 group and then obviously the 06-12 Leland group. Tigers fans really, there's just something different about them, I think, Terry. I, it's, it's hard to maybe kind of encapsulate it in words, but there really is, like, whether it's a tradition, whether it's the generations, I mean, there's something special about being a Tigers fan in this town. Yeah, it is. Uh, but one thing I, I think Tiger fans are, they're impatient. And baseball, <laughs> sure. baseball is a sport where patience uh, wins out over everything else. And, you know, I know they're off to a, a little bit of a, a tough start after six games. And then people are already, you know, labeling labeling the Tigers as failures or this is what they're going to be. No. Baseball is a sport for over 162 games. Even the best teams are going to go through four or five slumps. And so what you have to do is make the slumps as short as possible, get through them, play better ball, and then also you're going to get a little better schedule. It's going to be some you know, less tougher pitchers that you're going to face, and then you can get rolling then. Um, so that's what I expect from the Tigers. But, you know, the old – diehard Tiger fans really love this team, but I still sense that they're a little bit impatient and sometimes forget the dynamics of baseball is that you're going to go through slumps sometimes and you just have to withstand them and get out of them as quickly as possible. But that's just, that's what the sport is all about. You're totally right too. Baseball patience is a virtue and in this day and age, Terry, when everyone's on devices and they want the games to be shorter, it's, it's kind of tougher for the modern fan to be that way, and they got to kind of change their feelings on that. By the way, before we move on to the Lions, I, I forgot to mention, you had recently, speaking of Cade Cunningham, you had referred to him as, I think you encapsulated this perfectly when you talked about him earlier, you had referred to him as a mini version of another legendary player that facilitated and made people better. And by the way, he's being highlighted, that player, fictitiously in this series, but he's being highlighted right now in a series on HBO called Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers Dynasty. Who was that player you referred to as a mini, uh, Kenny Kicker, it was a mini version of? Uh, he's a mini version of Magic Johnson. I did mention that. And high praise. Way, he is high praise. You know, Magic worked the entire floor better, obviously a better player, but I think the mentality is Magic was all about making James Worthy a 2020 yep. game score. Uh, Michael Thompson. Yeah, Michael Thompson, Michael Cooper, Kareem, whoever. Make them better players. And uh, he had the magic and the flair. Kay Cunningham does it the simple way. He doesn't go between his legs, and we don't see the the no-look passes. He just makes the right play at the right time. And uh, so that's why I compared him to a mini Magic Johnson. He's never going to score 30 points a game (laughs) or average 30 a point. He might average 10 assists at some point of his career, but, uh, you know, he's not going to be the ball hog. He's going to be the guy that distributes, and I like distributors. Terry, that's an excellent comparison because Magic was all about making the guys around him better. He got his own two, and so will Cade, but that is a perfect example of what Cade could do. By the way, we saw. that series is awful. The Lakers series. You don't like it? No. I, th- I think John C. Riley, I, I know they're making up half the stuff, but John C. Riley is great as Jerry Buss, whether it, it's true or not. Well, it's enjoyable to watch, but I just think the production of it is terrible. Well, you must hate it when they go, because you know Adam McKay, he's done a lot of Will Ferrell movies and a lot of different sports stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe he did Anchorman, too. So 
when they, I, I bet you hate it when they go from like regular, like what it looks like to like that kind of not Polaroid, but like seventies picture when they keep going back and forth. That I'm sure you hate that because that even is annoying to me sometimes. Yeah, that that part is annoying, but they they. The, as far as the signs of the times, they did get that right. Um, I'm, I'm glad they didn't modernize things too much. Uh, I mean, you know, they started training camp at like a uh, a hotel or a motel right. in uh, Palm Springs, and that's that's pretty <laughs> that's pretty accurate. That things weren't as glamorous as uh, they told us it, it was today. So, uh, but I just think the acting is bad and. <laughs> And Jerry Jerry West, the guy that's playing Jerry West, who's like supposed to be the nicest guy ever. I guess that's all BS. Yeah, but you know he looks like a wax figure to me. <laughs> Not a fan. All right, Terry Foster, thumbs down on winning time. Uh, before we get out of here, my friend, and it's always so so great to be with you, and uh, a lot of things in store for you and I in the future as well, as we've discussed in recent weeks. Uh, I'll just uh, kind of throw this out there to you. There's no. There's no sense of we know exactly what's going to happen because the NFL draft's so crazy, but it's coming up in a couple weeks. You know, the Lions have a chance to possibly get Aiden Hutchinson if he doesn't go number one. I've seen people, you know, talk about, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau, who I just, I'm not, I know he's a great prospect, but there's a reason the Lions sent seven guys to see his pro day in Oregon. There's character issues. I've heard some stuff, uh, you know, uh, from sources that in some of the interviews he did with some other teams, he literally came in like an entitled DB and like took fruit and or food or whatever and just walked up, just really bad, came off looking really bad. So that's one thing. And then you got Trayvon Walker, the defensive edge from Georgia, who's a possibility. Uh, obviously, trading down is always a possibility if the Lions don't have the absolute you know best player they want at number two because that pick is so valuable. Where are you at with the Lions? Because there are so many options. And I'll just tell you before I even give you a chance to answer. For me, if Aiden Hutchinson is there, you have to take him. He's the best. He might not have the overall best upside, but he's the best prospect in this draft. He's a wrecking machine, could transform that D-line. For me, that's who I want. That's who they definitely have to take in my opinion. And number two, where are you at with the Lions? Well, I agree with you on that, but he's not. It looks like he's not going to be there. Um, I was convinced Jacksonville is going to take an offensive lineman, but now they looks like they're not going to do that. And so they're going to take Aiden Hutchinson. But with him off the board, even though he stole some apples, I'm still going with uh, Thibodeau. Uh, <laughs> I, here, with the Lions, they annoy me. They um, – Sometimes you need a, a, a certain percentage of dicks on your team. Just guys you don't like, particularly on the defensive side of, of the ball. Right. Um, I mean, Indomitian Sue was like that. Yes, in front of the camera, he's like this. Hey, I'm Indomitian Sue. I'm a nice guy. He was a dick. All right. But he could play. And he if, sure could. If he wanted to stay here, he would probably be the best player on the team and he would own the city. The problem is he's a guy that didn't want to be here, and he was trying to get out of Detroit as soon as he signed a contract. Now, Thibodeau, he can say have the same attitude. I don't care. But if you can convince him this is the right spot, um, then I, I'll, I'll go for that. That character stuff doesn't bother me. And one thing, I, I'm a little annoyed with some people who, um, who said they don't want to take him because he's – uh, he's got his own mind, and he said that football isn't his number one priority. Um, 
He wants to be a well-rounded person. What's wrong with that? I'll tell you someone else who said that. She told it to me. Isaiah Thomas said, sure. if, you, if I retire and you only think of me as a basketball player, then I have failed. Grant Hill said that. He wants to be a well-rounded person. So both those guys kind of worked out here until Grant left. But I think now we're seeing a new breed of athlete that's just not, hello, coach, I will do anything you say. No, we <laughs> want to be well-rounded human beings. I see nothing wrong with that. No, I don't either. And, and listen, I am all mm. about sometimes, as you mentioned, you kind of have some ticks on your team, and there's nothing wrong with that to me. But to, and listen, back to the whole point about is Hutch going to be there or not? The Jags did, you know, they, they franchise tag Cam Robinson, so they have an offensive lineman, but they, they don't need an edge rusher. So maybe they trade down, maybe they decide to go with Iquano, you know, the, or Evan Neal, an offensive tackle. But if they do, Hutch is there. But you're right, if he isn't there, the Lions need an edge rusher. And maybe they're not as in love with Trayvon Walker skill-wise as they are with Thibodeau, but they're less obviously in love with character-wise than they are with Thibodeau than they are with Trayvon Walker. Uh, but it's it's good to have options, Terry. The bottom line is they've got to hit this pick. Brad Holmes, obviously, his second draft. We saw what he did last year. You know, being able to trade Stafford. No one thought he was going to be able to do anything of the sort. Got the extra first-round picks. Had a pretty solid draft to me last year, even with some injuries, uh, you know, causing some problems later in the year for some of the draft picks. This year, they've got to make the right decision. If they take Thibodeau and he flames out, and they should have taken Walker, or vice versa, or if Hutch is there, they don't take him, and they should have taken it. They've got to make the right pick here, or it's going to set the team back. No, it will, and the team has been set back enough. Um, yeah. One thing I've heard, uh, knock on Thibodeau, he's not versatile enough. and Like, he doesn't stop the run as well as other guys. But sometimes you need a guy that specializes in something. Uh, he specializes, and I know he's ripped for his high, uh, lack of high energy, but he will get to the quarterback. I'm convinced if you let this guy set his hair on fire and say, go get him, he will get Aaron Rodgers, he will get Right. Uh, whoever's quarterback in the rest of this division, because when I was a, a, you know, writing about the Detroit Lions, I would ask people not associated with the Lions, what do they need in order to win? Thing I was told over and over and over again: worry about beating three teams in the NFL. That's it, and that's Green Bay, Chicago, and uh, Minnesota. If you do that, everything else will take care of itself. So, in other words, what's the strength of Green Bay? Aaron Rodgers. Make his life miserable. Okay? Um, if Chicago had a great defense, make sure you've got an offensive line that's going to kind of counter that. Beat the people in your division. Um, counter they're strong moves, and you should be good. And I think Thibodeau is a guy that you need because he's going to make things tough on Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins, and Justin Fields. Attack their quarterback, and you have a better shot at winning. And then he can have as many apples or peaches or pears as he wants, Terry. He can just yeah, snag them and right. walk out. He can steal my apples if he does that. T-Man, I'm going to bring you a basket of fruit, among other things, because I love you. I can't uh, thank you enough, as always, uh, for joining me. And once again, uh, you know, setting tons of love from uh, the CityCast Nation and from me and from all these people that I run into that want me to say hi to you and see, obviously, how you're doing. But to you and your family for what you're having to deal with right now. And, you know, we're all here for you. And 
hopefully some some better times and then great times ahead too. I appreciate that. And the summer is coming and I'm looking forward to having a good summer and I will be on the Pepsi porch, if they still call it that, at Comerica Park. And I hope to see everybody there. Yes, I'm going to hang out with you there. We got some walks, you and I, some healthy walks to go as I'm working on the fitness of the little Lord Fauntleroy slash the Squatch. Uh, But Terry, love you, man. Thanks so much for joining me as always and look forward to doing it again soon. Thank you very much and good luck and uh, be good. Just try to stay competitive, Terry. Just try to stay competitive. That's all we're trying to do. There he is, the legendary Terry Foster. Give him a follow on Twitter. You better be following him anyway, because remember, Terry, how can Leach be verified and not me? Yeah, I I don't understand that. I've got way more followers than you, and you you got got your little blue check mark. I don't have mine. Quality, not quantity, right? Quality. (laughs) Terry, you should be verified. You're verifiably awesome, and I look forward to talking to you again very soon. There he is. Follow him on Twitter. Uh, verified or not, and Terry Foster, TT. More to come here on the Detroit CityCast. Love you, T-Swiz. You too, buddy boy. Be good. Great stuff, as always, for my man T-Foss. Give him a follow on Twitter at Terry Foster, D-E-T. Have a great weekend to one and all. We got big NBA playoff action, full slate of Major League Baseball. We got all the golfers I've given you. Uh, hopefully, we got some live action over the weekend. At the RBC, uh, just watch my Twitter, DanLeach971, for some updates on maybe some hedging I'm going to be doing or some live betting uh, I'll be doing or matchups uh, throughout the weekend at the RBC. And let's uh, let's get this good weather coming here in Detroit. Hopefully golf weather soon. Happy Easter to all that are celebrating. Happy Passover to all that are celebrating. Thanks again to Terry Foster. And until next time, keep reaching for the stars. Believe in the dream. Dan Leach, the Squatch, on the holiday weekend. Out.